and welcome to My Security TV and our Tech and Sec Weekly. My name is Chris Cubbage. I'm the executive editor with My Security Media. Today we're joined by Hal Morgan with Sophos. He's the manager system engineering for the ASEAN and Korea region or Southeast Asia. Uh, we're going to be looking at cyber complexity, strategy development and operational balance in digital transformation. And we'll also get Hal's observations uh, there in Southeast Asia. He's based in Singapore. So without further ado, Hal Morgan. Hal, system engineer uh, with Sophos. Maybe we'll go into your role. Uh, and then I think that'll sort of uh, give us some uh, background into what you might be observing there in, in Southeast Asia and Korea. I like the way that they've stuck Korea on there for you as well. But system engineer, um, sort of pre-sales with Sophos. Uh, yeah, how, what does your role uh, particularly involve? Yeah, and thanks for inviting me, Chris. So I my role is I manage a team of 11 engineers across Southeast Asia, and we're focused on understanding customer problems and defining the right solutions and making sure it's a good fit for their problems. And I work for Sophos. I'm not sure if you know much about Sophos, but we were founded back in 1985 in Oxford. Yep. And you know, we cover a wide portfolio of products for network, endpoint, cloud. And at the fundamental point of what we do, though, is we try to simplify cybersecurity because that is the biggest challenge we see organizations are facing at the moment from a cybersecurity perspective. And when you say complexity, where do you think that complexity lies? Is it the sort of the strategy that they're approaching or is it the operations? Uh, yeah, where, where does the complexity even start sometimes? Sometimes you don't yeah. realize it's complex until you're in, you're in a <laughs> spider web, well, right? Yeah, it's actually... and. Back, it was way back in 1999 that Bruce Schneier came out with the quote, you know, uh, complexity is the worst enemy of security yeah. and things are only going to get more complex. And I was thinking back 1999, that was before Facebook, before yeah. Twitter. I was actually working for a company in those days as a, as a developer called Surf Control. People were just starting to allow their employees to use the internet. And their main concern wasn't security. It was are people wasting time? Are they looking at inappropriate content? So for him to make that comment back in 1999, before yeah. the internet was even deemed to be a security risk, just shows the complexity that organizations are facing today. And by that, I'm really talking about the digital transformation. Um, you know, you think back to before the pandemic even. About, uh, this was a McKinsey report, actually, that said two-thirds of employees considered the office their normal place of work, whereas post-COVID, it's dropped to 37%. Just that in itself means employees are connecting in many different ways. You're connecting to your customers in many different ways because you can no longer rely on the, the physical connection. The, the digital footprint of an organization has moved from just Windows, Linux, and a bit of Mac to Android, iOS, AWS, Azure, it's it's just become such a massive digital footprint or attack surface that yes. organizations are now trying to protect. I think maybe that's where you might be referring to is that attack surface, as you say, the, the threat landscape in its own right uh, has exploded. Um, what, are you, what are some of the observations you've got there in Southeast Asia and some of your client profiles that you might be mm -hmm. dealing with or some of those patterns of client profiles where you start to see the same thing 
uh, across different cl- clients, but do you, they yeah. kind of all fit with that profile and they're making the same mistakes? Yeah, the in terms of our client profile, you know, we cover organizations of all sizes, but predominantly we're most successful when it comes to the mid-market customers and SMB market customers, which are very much, you could say they're a, a, in some ways an underserved part of the market when it comes to cybersecurity. And these organizations have a particularly acute challenge. It's, it's, sometimes it's easy when we're talking to largest customers in the world, talking about their security operations team, security architecture team. Yeah. And you talk to an engineering team, an engineering organization in Malaysia, for example. It's one guy. Yeah. He's got a cybersecurity hat on. And then the next day, he's doing updates to the Windows servers. He's doing everything. And keeping those guys in mind, it's, they're just overwhelmed. And because the solutions, there's no shortage of solutions in our industry. You know, we're, thankfully, we're in the most innovative industries I think there is. There are always new startups with new solutions. But each time an organization buys that technology, it's just adding onto the, the small team's workloads. And that's what I'm talking about, the, um, the, the issue around digital transformation and complexity. But... And I keep coming back to the same question. Globally, you know, we're spending more on cybersecurity than ever. Um, even back, you know, this year, 2022, Gartner, we're estimating an 11% increase in spend. And yet we're still seeing the attackers becoming more successful. So some specific um, information from ASEAN. We ran a survey across, it's an anonymous survey across uh, organizations around the world called the SOPOS um, State of Ransomware Report in 2022. 79% of organizations in Malaysia responded that they'd suffered a ransomware attack. 66% in Singapore. So that alongside, we're seeing an increase in dwell time. We're seeing an increase in the hands-on attacks. Show that the attackers have got that upper hand. And... I would say from an ASEAN point of view, it mirrors the global pattern, but it's certainly, I'm seeing some, it's more acute in certain countries. And it's interesting, your question about Southeast Asia. The thing I love about Southeast Asia is it's so hard to give a one answer across yeah. an economy as different <laughs> as Singapore, yeah. Thailand, and Malaysia. It's, it's very, very difficult. But yeah, I'd say that it mirrors the same global pattern but the numbers show that the attackers are being even more successful in many parts of Southeast Asia than they are globally. Well, I was in Malaysia and Singapore just a few weeks ago. Malaysia did have a, a recent uh, breach uh, that was uh, some months in the making and under investigation for some time. So it's not like they're not uh, suffering from these kind of yep. attacks. Uh, and often we don't even hear about them because they are sort of local news. We tend to hear more about European, UK and, and American uh, type of breaches, but I suppose that's that's a key point here. Where you you cover ASEAN and Korea, those attacks are occurring in all of those countries and across that region. So I suppose that's one point to make is that you are observing that it, this is something that all your clients are grappling with. Yeah, and not just our clients. You know, any organisation that we talk to, they yes, they are suffering those situations, and but yet. 
it's sometimes taking them way too long to even realize that they yeah. are, you know, with, with, with cybersecurity, there's only, there's only two ways you're going to know there's an attack underway. Either they achieve their objectives or you find out before they achieve the objectives. And that's very much a simplification. And one thing that is now really becoming attractive to ASEAN customers across the whole of ASEAN organizations is the understanding that just relying on prevention alone is not going to be enough. They must be investing in detection and response. And I, I've been in, in ASEAN for three years, and I've noticed a, a sea change in that uh, approach to cybersecurity, the, the maturing of cybersecurity, in that when I first came here, I often found in some of the countries, if they got breached, it would be the first thing would be, okay, my, my security controls have failed. They must have a bug. They must be lacking in something. I'm going to change my cybersecurity vendor. And you saw organizations, and they sometimes would be changing vendors every couple of years because this was happening. Now, of course, anybody as a cybersecurity vendor, we take very, very seriously our need to prevent a, an attack in the first place. Of course we do. But having that understanding, that, um, that maturity, that it doesn't matter how good your defenses are, an attack will get through it at some point. You know, it's not just, it's, it's certainly not if, it's when, but it's go further. It's not just when, it's how often will it get through. And that has been a massive change. And now detection and response is becoming accepted by almost all size organizations. The question they then come to is, how do I best deliver it for my organization. And what are the skill sets or the, the difference uh, in skill sets between the prevention and then the, the response uh, and remediation? Because it is a different mindset as well. And often we talk, you talked about those large organizations where they will have a, a response team as well as their prevention team. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously got their analysts in the middle uh, sort of looking at everything. Um, there's a sort of a two-prong question there is one is the different mindset from the organization and the skill sets required. Uh, and then I think we will have a discussion on what you're seeing in relation to cybersecurity cyber skills in Southeast mm. Asia as well and the demand on those skills. But yeah, just the change in, in skill sets and even from what the vendors provided, because you, you talked about most organizations want to reduce the number of vendors that they're dealing with. They want to keep that to a minimum. So they do want vendors that can do everything across that stack, right? Yeah, um, and in terms of different skill sets, so the prevention skills are generally, most organizations will have that because a lot of that is dependent on the technologies, making sure you get the right policy, you set it, you set that initial policy and the policy itself shouldn't change. It's really down to the vendors themselves to make yes. sure if you have the right policy, the um, the intelligence, the threat intelligence that's powering those products is, is um, kept relevant and kept up to date. But what we're seeing a lot is those, those teams that had the responsibility for creating the, the prevention policy are now being asked or expected to do the detection and the response. And that, that creates two issues. The one is the availability, just how many people there are. But, but you're at, you hit on something very important, which is the different skill sets. Being able to set a cybersecurity policy, having worked with the internal teams within your organization to make sure you get that balance between security and um, accessibility and productivity is very different 
than somebody who has the skills to proactively go threat hunting, yeah. looking for the early indicators of an attack. That And that's where we see most organizations are struggling to find that very, very um, specific skill set, which can't be learned in a university. You can't, you might get a qualification in it, but it really comes from experience. And, and I always comp compare it to, it's almost like being a, a detective. So much comes from knowing what to look for, the experience of what are the kind of clues, what are the latest attacks that are happening, what's happening in the industry, knowing the, the groups that are out there and knowing where to go hunting within an organization. Those skills are very, very much in short supply. So what we sometimes see is organizations, they will buy the technology to enable them to do some of these things, but they struggle to actually find yeah. the people with the skill set to use them and to understand what they're seeing. I think you, that's uh, definitely something I've seen before as well, where, as you say, they'll, they'll buy the... I don't know, they'll buy the kit, but then they yeah. won't actually put in the training and the time, uh, or then they then go look for, for the people to to deploy that. Uh, and then that comes down to the relationship with the vendor as well, uh, making sure that, that that system is configured correctly and that there's support. Hence why we might be talking to the system engineer here uh, in, in yourself. What type of support does the, the general client need uh, when they're implementing uh, sort of even, say, the Sophos solution as an example? Yeah, well, we have a very honest discussion up front about, yes, you know, this is the technology, but do you have the people and the process to turn it into a solution? If a customer does, then absolutely. For example, if we're talking about uh, detection and response, we could talk, okay, what you need here is an XDR solution. You need Sophos XDR to work alongside your Sophos Intercept X um, endpoint security, pulling information from our data lake, but you want an XDR because you have the people, you have the, the, the process, you have possibly the IR team, you have everything you need to use it. But if the customer doesn't have that, and, and often this is an interesting conversation, often they believe they do <laughs> start delving into <laughs> yeah and, and so what we sometimes do is we have a conversation between them and our team who are doing this as a managed service and we explain what this team does or we, we provide a training course for them on how they can use this this product to its full capability and the reaction you get after people have attended this training is oh yeah, I didn't know how much I didn't know. Yeah, now yeah. I understand that purchasing this product may not be the best investment for me because I'm not going to be able to, to get the value out of it. I really need somebody who has the people and the process to go along with this technology. Well, timing is everything as well, isn't it? Sometimes, uh, as you say, it might, you, you don't want to buy buying it too early. Uh, but I imagine it's, it's also part of that journey uh, of reducing that complexity in cybersecurity. But building a team, getting the right team members on board, giving them the right training uh, and deploying that security. I suppose it is part of that digital transformation where security needs to be embedded within that strategy and deployed yeah. as that company transforms uh, digitally. That's, that's easier said than done though, right? It is. And I think that's a gap we're seeing uh, certainly across ASEAN. Organizations are, you know, at a strategic level, racing ahead with their digital transformation plans. 
And the security teams are, they, it's not like they had a lot of spare time before. Yeah. They are running, trying to keep up. And they don't want to be seen as the blocker for the digital transformation, which is a strategic initiative for a company to ensure its success. But they don't, again, or sometimes know what gaps there are going to be. Yeah. And so it's, it causes a lot of, it is causing a lot of stress for many security teams, how they, how they scale out, how they get the right skills when finding skilled cybersecurity experts is, is difficult globally, but we find it is particularly acute in the ASEAN region where, um, so some countries that just don't have that history of cybersecurity expertise to draw on. It's a relatively new concept, whereas other countries such as maybe Singapore certainly has that, that history and, and can offer much higher salaries as well. So that can in itself pull some of these skills from the other countries nearby. Right. Um, okay, so what would be a, like a, a call to action that you would generally have for, for your clients within the region? So if we take the two challenges, there's the world getting much more complex and there's the acute shortage of cybersecurity skills you need to address it. There are really four things that we would recommend and together we would call this cybersecurity as a service. The first part is yes, have a SOC, but to make sure it's complemented by proactive threat hunting. So you're looking for the earliest indicators of an attack not looking reactively, which many, many SOCs do. And then for your existing security operations team, allow them to achieve as much as they can. And since 2015, we've done that at Sophos with what was called synchronized security. Now it's widened into the adaptive cybersecurity ecosystem. This means that if we see a, an event in one of our products, we can automatically respond in the product, meaning humans don't have to get involved in the process, which has two advantages. One, it vastly shortens the time to protection, but also it means it's working 24 hours, even when you may not have people sitting yes. there at a console. The third part is understand where your gaps are within your team skill set. And it's not a criticism of the team. Very few organizations, especially in the mid-market, does it make economic sense to build out a team of cybersecurity experts. They're not a cybersecurity company. Cybersecurity is only there to enable their own their business. And reach out and work with organizations such as Sophos, who offer a managed detection and response. In fact, we are the world's largest managed detection and response team uh, company with over 11,000 of our customers using it out of a total number of our Sophos customers of over 530,000. And the final part of cybersecurity as a service is have everything done through a single unified console. Again, maximizing the, the, the time of the team, regardless of which security control it is, whether it's your endpoint, your firewall, your encryption, and regardless of where the asset is that you're protecting, is it on-premise, is it in your data center, is it in the cloud? You don't want people running around between different consoles because it's inefficient. And to go back to Bruce Schneier again, it means they will miss things because it really is, the complexity is the enemy of cybersecurity. And I was going to say, it doesn't have to be a, a, a security operations center with uh, you know a dark room. It can just literally be sort of that, as you say, that service, software as a service that you can access remotely and from anywhere 
uh, as well. So I think even the concept of a sock uh, has also changed in, in this concept as well, right? So it, it really is almost as a sock as a service. Is that how you would almost it, put it there? I'll go, I'll go further. It is part of the solution, but we go further because yep. our sock, or sorry, our managed detection response solution, it has the, it, it, it provides the services that a SOC would provide, but it includes the proactive threat hunting. Yep. It, it includes all the cyber analysts, of course. Also includes instant response. It includes making sure that we're continually evaluating and optimizing the solutions that you have. So you're increasing your security posture all the time. So the reason I hesitated was it goes so much further yep. than what many people think of as a particular, as a SOC, but you're right. It then it's provided entirely as a service. So you don't have to worry about trying to find those people, <laughs> trying to build the processes yourself. You know, leave it to a company. That's that's our DNA. And I suppose the other part is you get a bit of visibility, as you say, across all your whole client profile, across all of uh, your your endpoints. Uh, if there's an attack somewhere and it's uh, that then gets sprung up uh, and the whole network gets notified and, and put on notice as well, right? So you can start, start to prevent some of that broader uh, attack surface. Absolutely. Um, so there's two parts of that. The one, of course, our threat intelligence, which is powering our product, uh, yeah. gets that benefit of all of that telemetry and making sure our products automatically, as far as possible, detect those threats. But yeah, the, the experts, I said, it comes down to experience. Yeah. And these teams are sharing what they're seeing around the world. They, they, they're sharing that experience and it means they know what to, to hunt for person uh, individually and they need to hunt for manually because you can't do everything in an automated fashion, especially as the attackers uh, are becoming more and more hands-on. You need somebody who is hands-on to be able to go to basically hand-to-hand -hand combat with the persons. <laughs> I can't think of a better phrase for it than that. Well, it is it is getting that that bad out there as, as well, isn't it, in terms of uh, the... the um... The, the amount of uh, attacks underway uh, on a on a day by day basis uh, is quite incredible, and you, it's amazing. You did refer to Bruce Schneier back in the in the late nineties. Uh, he saw this coming, and here we are, twenty years later. Uh, he's still a, a world renowned uh, author as well in what in the work that he does. But again, it's one of those things that uh, the sophistication. Uh, of the uh, of this market at the moment is is quite incredible. So Hal Morgan, manager system engineering for the ASEAN region and Korea with Sophos. We're looking at cyber complexity, strategy development, and operational balance in digital transformation. Pleasure having you there from Singapore, and thanks for coming on My Security TV and our Tech and Sec Weekly. Thanks so much, Chris. Great.